welcome to Remolations. We're your hosts. I'm Mindy. And I'm Brooke. Remolations is a dream interpretation podcast where we read listeners' dreams from nightmares to the just plain bizarre. Join us as we give you our comedic interpretation of your fucked up REM cycle. (laughs) Today I'm reading a dream story from Sharon and it's about car accidents and premonitions. We also have a catnap that has to do with a premonition of a sexy husband. Ooh. Goblins. Toxic farts. And not to mention Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both greats. <laughs> Stick around as I get into one of the most prolific dream interpretators of modern era, Sigmund Freud. I mean, this is a big topic, and we're just scratching the surface. But you're going to stick around for his history and what he thinks about dreams. All right, bestie. We are diving deep into dreams. No, God, fuck it. Um, God, fuck it. God, fuck it. Just get the goddamn show started. Just go. Woo! I think we have to do it. Just get the goddamn show started. I had no other way of saying it. My brain did not work out today. I could tell you were struggling. I was struggling with that. Let's just let's just go. But that's why I loved every second of it because I'm like I'm totally down with saying just get the fucking show started. Just just get the fucking show started. Yeah. Mm, I needed that. I know. Let me start with this. Hello, 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 hello. Well, hello, hello, hello to you, too. (laughs) How how are you this evening, beautiful friend? Oh, I am just feeling peachy. How are you? Good. Good. All right. I have a dream slash dream story. Nice. And this is Sharon from Bismarck. Okay. And it it makes me scared because it kind of reminds me of something you kind of mentioned a few weeks ago. I'm interested. My my interest is peaked. Okay. Ding. Ding. I was sitting in the middle of the back seat of my brother's small car. He was on his way somewhere and came to a light. He was behind a black pickup truck. I looked in the rearview mirror and saw another truck coming up behind us at a high mm-hmm. rate of speed. <sighs> As if he didn't know he was approaching a red light or was just unable to stop the truck. I started screaming at my brother to warn him, but he didn't hear me. Then I realized I wasn't actually there at all. Just kind of like in a spirit type of way. I turned around to look out the back window. And at that very moment, we were hit. Uh I know, I don't like it. Oh, here we go. I immediately turned to see my brother. He had gone through the windshield through the truck and was killed. There was blood and broken glass everywhere. I sat in shock, feeling like I couldn't breathe. And then I woke up. Mm. Awful, awful dream. I I would immediately get on the phone with my brother if I had a brother. If I had a brother (laughs) or my family member. Yeah, for sure. I would would wake up and be like, are you okay? Are you okay? I I don't care what time of day it is. I am making that phone call and be like, "Are, are you okay? Look, if I have dreams about my kids that are getting kidnapped or something, yeah. I will physically get out of my bed and open the door. Make sure you make sure they're breathing <laughs> and they're there and then shut the door and go back to sleep. I can't help it. Uh, well, how can you? It's your family. But it just it reminded me of your um, 
your final destination thing with yes with your daughter like i know it's not the same but holy shit like you can see it like happening and you can't well here here's another crazy story and i'm gonna go a sidebar you yes sidebar before we get to the <laughs> anything further i'm sorry sorry sharon but so that road is not a great road they need to widen it they need to make it four lanes anyhow same road before our final destination moment probably like Eight, nine years earlier. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. So this same kind of thing. Um, We are going under the viaduct. So not the same viaduct. Different different viaduct. A different one. I was going under. Yeah, these are just bad spots. I don't know how they think about it. Anyways, (laughs) Illinois Department of Transportation. Fix Route 47. (laughs) Anyhow. We plead. We plead. plead. (laughs) I'm just past like the underpass where the trains go, you know, like the viaduct. And I'm at a red light. And... My youngest is in the back seat. She's in a car seat. She's got to be no older than four or five at this time. Pretty young. Yeah. She's like, mom, mom, look at me. Look at my silly face. And so I look in the rear view mirror at her. Okay. And she's, you know, making this goofy <laughs> face. She's like pulling down her eyes, you know, and squinching up her nose and pulling her mouth open. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> but then I look up. I also see in the rear view mirror at the exact time there's a semi barreling towards me that does not see there's a red light and is not paying attention that my car no! is stopped. Yes. No bullshit here. Oh, my God. How do I not know this? Yes. What happened? I, what happened? It, it well, like, obviously, you in, lived, but... I lived. <laughs> but God. I, in the split second, I realized that he was not going to stop in time. So I pulled into... There was almost like a, a middle median. Yes. So I pull in this median... And stop, and this truck start the air brakes start going right, like stopping. He pulls to the right on the shoulder, and he is halfway up the car in front of me before he stops. So had I not, oh my god! So had my youngest not have been like, "Mom, look at my funny face," I would have not have seen the rearview mirror. And I would not have had the split second reaction to pull into with median. That car would have been. It, it is terrifying to think of what could have happened at that moment. I I feel sick to my stomach. You just telling me this story. Oh my god, what that is? I'm sorry. I I'm like shake. I'm like shaking. I call Mark and I'm, I had to pull over. I was physically shaking. My kids are like, what's wrong, mom? I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, they don't, they're not, not driving you're at like, this point. Um, they're little. They're, you're like, nothing. Mama just needs to. Um, mama just needs a break. Mama just needs a break. <laughs> but it's funny now. She's like, well, mom, remember when I saved all of our lives? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I remember. And I and, will never and forget. she did. She did. I. There would have been horrific, so the, horrific consequences. The semi hit another car. No, he had pulled. Oh. He had enough space to pull oh. over into the the shoulder. Oh, uh, so we were like all three in a line. Oh, like, I I'm see. the median. There was the car. He would have been all the way up on that one. Yeah. So oh. my car would have been like a penny smushed. Oh so, my god! Yeah, crazy. I forgot about that whole story until you. I, was, you did you push it out of your mind? My god! I must have. I totally forgot until you brought up Sharon's dream. But Jesus, you too have oh, some sorry, bad luck in cars, huh? Not great. I mean, you burn yourself with the, with the airbag. airbag. I don't think we told that story yet. So let's save that one for another day. Okay. <laughs> hey, knock on wood. I don't have wood, but knock on, knock on uh, I, I my wine glass. 
Thank you. Yeah. But I have not had any issues since my last accident where <laughs> the airbag burned my hand. But that's been it's been years. I'm good. I'm not laughing at you. It's just like it's- besides besides my animal issue, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to even get into that. <laughs> no. Okay. okay. So that was the end of Sharon's dream, but there's so much more to this story. And that's why I love these dream stories. I don't know how long ago this dream took place, but the dream was before seatbelts were heavily talked about. So I'm thinking maybe she, this was a little, yeah, maybe the seventies, you know, they weren't heavily enforced. Not everyone even wore them. Mm -hmm. When I woke up, I was still in form of shock as it had really happened. I called and told him about it. I begged him to start wearing his seatbelt immediately because I knew this wreck was still going to take place. I I described it in full detail. He said he was off the next day, so we'd have to take the seats out to get the seatbelts. I guess that's how it worked. They were kind of like tucked in. Yeah, they weren't as as accessible as they are today. No, they're kind of just like tucked away and like, you use them, you use them, you I mean, now it's very different, but promised he would not drive again without wearing one. Good. Yeah. Friday afternoon, he called to let me know he got the seatbelts out. Yay. Good job, brother. (laughs) Good job. They're ready to go, and he didn't want me to worry. He promised me he would take my dream very seriously and thank me for calling him about it. Wow. That's good because I think a lot of people even don't believe dreams. You know right. what I mean? Like a lot of people, I could say I had a dream that, I don't know, I was on a sinking ship and no one's going to take me seriously. <laughs> right. Most of the time. Right. But that's great that her brother did. That's really good. I feel it's going to be good. All right. Well, the next day, Saturday, having errands to run and his seatbelt on, he good. felt the dream was now gone because he listened to me and now he wouldn't experience it until... He found himself approaching a light with a black truck as described right in front of him. He immediately looked in his rearview mirror and saw the other truck coming at him at a high rate of speed. He knew there wasn't me PTSD. I was going to say he he knew there wasn't a second to spare. So it is totally like Uh like you said, couldn't even try to move. Everything was just happening so fast. He was hit. His back was injured, but he was alive because of the seatbelt kept him in place and safe. Oh, thank God. Thank God she had the dream. Oh, my God. And that he listened. That he listened. That's half of it, right? Oh, my God. But there's so much to be said about precognitive dreams that we Mm -hmm. haven't even gone into this as a topic yet, which I think we will in the future. Yes. But there has been so many examples. Like Yes. I know they keep coming in and that's why I'm so fascinated. I'm like, it's been kind of a trend lately, but I'm like, that's awesome. That's love to hear awesome. Yes. yes, we'd love to hear things like that. Oh, uh, but that was Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Wow. Here's the crazy thing. There's not a lot to analyze in that dream, but we always have weird synchronicities between us. I know. I've got a dream story for you to kick off our catnaps. Oh, okay. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so a little bit of different episode. Hey, why not? Hey, we're 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 shaking it up a little bit. It's okay. It's summer. Let's Woo! let's get crazy. Wow. <laughs> All right, let me give you a little bit of backstory here. This is this is a crazy story, and okay. we talk about dreams having meanings or messages, especially messages, right? Yeah. Whether it's a precognitive dream of something that might happen mm-hmm. or just a message from beyond, right? So 
Mark and I were shooting a wedding a few weeks ago. Okay. Beautiful wedding. Ariana and Janston. Oh, shout out. We love this. <laughs> shout out. Love this couple. We're lucky in our industry that we have shot weddings and then cousins and then friends of cousins. And we get to see our couples at multiple weddings because they cool. recommend it. Yeah. So it's really sweet. So Ariana and Janston are one of those couples. We know her, but Maid of Honor was one of our bridesmaids. And then her friend was one of our, our brides. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. So we go back a ways. They just had their wedding and... The day was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful couple, the sweetest hearts. It was a beautiful day. We get to the part of the speeches. Now, going into this day, I know Ariana's father had passed away when she was young. Okay. So her dad was not going to be there that day. She did a first dance with her mom. Her mom walked her down the aisle. Oh, I love that. I loved it. Yes. And so when it got time for the speeches, the mother of the bride gave a speech. Good. And in this speech, she mentions a dream that Ariana had. And I'm, I'm just, I don't even know where this is going, but I'm so excited. About her father and how it related to their wedding day. So after the wedding, now our couple's on their honeymoon. They went to Italy and they had an amazing time. Yeah. I, I emailed her. I said, hey, I would love to use your dream, if I can, in our podcast. And she goes, absolutely. And then she sent me an email with even more details. Oh! So I'm going to share oh my God. Ariana's dream. Thank you so much, Ariana, for sharing on your honeymoon. <laughs> she says, okay, here it goes. <laughs> to give a little background to help understand the meaning of this dream, well, enough for you to understand because it could easily write a novel. <laughs> my dad passed away when I was three years old. Oh. My mom and I are extremely close. We call it one parent syndrome. Now that I am a therapist. So she's a therapist in real life. <laughs> now that I'm a therapist, I know it to be separation anxiety disorder, LOL. Yeah. My mom remarried a very terrible human. Oh. Thankfully, they divorced, in, in parentheses. Lots of trauma, lots of anger at my dad for dying, as I imagine life to be different if he were here. Oh, God, this is sad. I can imagine at three years old. That's oh, oh, so very, sad. very hard. She says, I have done a lot of therapeutic work in the last five years or so. All my life, people would tell me they dreamt of my dad. And I would get so angry that he would rarely appear in any of my dreams. And when he did, he never spoke. Mm. I was so young, so I definitely don't remember him, Mm -hmm. including the sound of his voice. Right. But part of that anger is knowing there are many forms of communication, like writing, sign language, etc. Well, in these dreams, previous this past year... He would always be in the distance driving away, usually in the back of a bus where I could see him but never connect. Oh, God. This <laughs> I, this like, is heavy. I should have put a I warning at the beginning. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> You're going to get even more emotional. Oh, shit, Mindy. <laughs> she says this is all before my therapy. Okay. Fast forward to last year. I had a dream. After a really intense therapy session of humanizing my dad and doing some homework and learning more about him, This was my dream. We were at his funeral. Mm. Interestingly enough, my mom did not let me go to his funeral in real life. And in my dream, he was in the casket. I was sitting in the front row. Mm. There were a few people lingering around, almost like the service was over. He arose and jumped out of the casket and sat next to me. I don't know if that's supposed to be funny or not. It can be. It can be funny. It's a comedy pub, I guess. Okay. Wow. 
Lazarus there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Rising from the dead. Sitting next to me, he put his arm around me and pulled out a note. Oh, God. The note said, I have been listening. I am always listening, and I will always continue to listen. Oh, God. (laughs) It ended very quickly thereafter. I remember waking up from this dream, feeling a sense of ease and forgiveness. It made me feel like he was telling me I was too angry to receive a note before. Now that I had done some work on my feelings, I was ready to hear him once he understood from listening to my sessions and discussing around them. I had prayed that I would get to see him again. Mm. Crickets. Fast forward again. Oh, my God. I know. This is This is is a bad one, Mindy. (laughs) I mean, it's good. I don't know if it's no, good, it is. but it's taking me on a ride. It's, well, not a ride. It's just kind of it going down, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fast forward again. It's the week of my dad's 20th year of his passing, February oh, 4th. He came to me in a dream on February 3rd, exactly four months before our wedding day. I had been having a difficult time with a newfound grief for him. Oh, God. The dream began in a church. I saw him sitting next to a woman in yellow. That's my favorite color, and it was actually a relative of my cousin's. I remember him wearing a full brown jumpsuit. Jumpsuit? I don't know if that's a church-type attire or anything, but but, okay. (laughs) Sorry, you don't see a man in a jumpsuit very often. Not at church. I mean, overalls in Iowa, yes. Yeah. Jumpsuit, not so much. Not so much. I walked up to him and said, don't you know that my mom is here? What are you doing talking to this other woman? To my incredible surprise, he responded, chill, I'm not with her. I know your mom is here. I was shocked because he had never spoken in my dream before. Oh, wow. He laughed at my shocked face when I told him he sounded like his brother just higher pitched. Background. I love smells very much. <laughs> sorry, and, I, I'm sorry. Just went in a different direction than yeah. I was anticipating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Background. I love smells. I'm very much an olfactory person. Good job, Mindy. Yeah. Thank you. Yay for reading. <laughs> Correct words. I asked him if I could smell him. He <laughs> smiled and pulled me in. Interesting, huh? It Interesting. is. I remember he smelled like his mom's house after she cooked a meal. Oh, this is lovely. My mom then came up to us and hugged him. She asked, so what do you think about Janston? Now, Janston, again, now is her her groom. This is the man okay. she just married, okay? So okay. the mom comes up in the dream, asks the father, what do you think about Janston? Oh, this is so intense. Oh, my God. Okay. He said, I don't know much about golf. He is going to be a sexy husband. (laughs) That's what you want to hear from your dad. (laughs) Now, sidebar, Janston is a golf pro. He trains other golfers. This is his full-time job. So I don't know much about golf, but he is going to make a sexy husband. (laughs) (laughs) I love this sexy husband. (laughs) I know. It's awesome. My mom left us to be with each other. It felt like I asked him a hundred questions. A few that I remember. Did you haunt the douchebag whenever I prayed for you? He responded, laughing, yes. Did you watch out for my mom? To which he responded, yes. 
He told me he was happy about the relationship I have with his brother, who is also our officiant for our wedding. Aww. We walked around and some family would pop in and I would say excitedly, Hi, this is my dad. And a family member would say, Yes, Ari, we know. I remember feeling it was going to end soon. It was a feeling I still feel in my chest when I think about this dream. Oh, God. And I said to him, I don't want this to end. And he said to me, We can't stay here forever. Oh, my God. (laughs) Then I woke up. Oh, my God. I cried so hard. I called my mom and my fiance, Janston. My mom was so emotional in response and told me it sounds just like him and all his responses he had. It was him. My fiance, Janston, had felt like it was his way of sharing his approval. Oh. Uh, why do you give me another tissue? As this is this dream was being shared as the mother of the bride speech, what, and the, I there couldn't my, have been a dry eye in the house. I can tell my you that. mouth had dropped, and I'm trying to tearily take pictures of this of this speech. <laughs> I was so emotional. She finishes with every night I welcome him back, but he hasn't come back yet. Oh God. But I think from his listening, he knew it was getting hard for me leading up to the wedding day, and he didn't want to overwhelm me more. I'm still waiting for his return. I'm not disappointed, but I'm very ready to continue to build a relationship, one I didn't even know was possible. Well, that's it. Thanks for sharing interest in this. It's actually good for me to reflect back on this. By the way, I'll definitely check out your podcast. Oh, God, we love you. As a therapist, dreams are incredibly interesting and powerful. Oh. Kindly, Ariana. And then she put her married name afterwards. Which oh, <laughs> that's so cute. Oh, my God. I tell, uh, oh okay. God, I tell podcast you. Podcast is over because I got to take a rest and a little nap after <laughs> that one. I need to. Intense. I didn't mean to like overshine your first oh, dream. Oh no! I could have maybe put this in another like just first dream because they're wow, different. Like, they're different though. Incredibly intense. But my favorite part of the dream, and maybe I think we had to have talked about this, that I lost my sense of smell and taste for yeah. like seven years. Smell is mostly the sense mostly directed to memory, and when mm-hmm. she was like, "Can I smell you?" I've been there like now I'm like tearing up because it's like I've asked that to people like not uh, mostly cats but (laughs) (laughs) but I'll like smell them and it's like yeah like you smell your baby or something you know like yeah babies have very direct smell scent but yeah wow thank you for letting me share your story oh my god totally for letting me share in your wedding day I mean it was I never thought my professional career and this podcast would have a crossover. Crossover episode. Ever, <laughs> ever in my wildest dreams. Uh, pun intended. Uh-huh. But That's wild, Mindy. I find that story so incredible. And the fact that she took it as <laughs> not only building a relationship with her father through dreams that she never knew personally. Uh-huh. It's fascinating incredibly deep but also the fact that what the mom said in the speech was when she called Janston a sexy husband she said that was his exact sense of humor and Uh, Ariana wouldn't have known that being three years old he passed away 
But that's exactly what he would have said. Um, oh, my God. So. That was an amazing. St- okay, well, you got us all crying. Well, I am. Yes. At least. <laughs> I was crying then and I'm like tearing up now. I mean, I'm like incredible. Wow. And the cool thing, too, is that she's found herself or you found yourself in each other's lives several times and it's like yeah. maybe like you know meant to happen that you heard this that dream and like because oh. i mean how like you said you do run into same people if someone re- refers you but still that's crazy to pick out anything you can about your daughter and and her on her wedding day you tell the story about this dream so obviously they <sighs> believe in the power of dreams and i like we believe it. in the power of dreams uh wow okay oh now that i, uh, I gotta calm down let me, let me take a drink of my wine here <laughs> and then let's get into some catnaps just as easy as that, right, Mindy? <laughs> the best part of that, I didn't read that email until I got on this recording with you because <gasps> I didn't want to no? spoil the whole story. So oh. it was, I was going through it with you. Oh my <laughs> God, was that was good, Mindy. Do you have something maybe we can get to catnaps a little bit more lighthearted? Do you have anything that maybe we can? Yeah, I think. Let's laugh. I think that bit. we could lighten this up a little bit. Okay, good. I need it. This is Julie, and she's from Sioux City, but the dream is titled, Giving Birth to a Bear! Exclamation point. <laughs> that would be, lend itself to being funny. I would, I would hope so. He's perfect, I told my husband in this strange dream as I gave birth to this bear. I laid back exhausted as nurses wiped the black hairs off my legs. Oh, my God. It was a long and painful birth, but it was worth it. I recall the nurses talking about a breached birth in hushed tones. It sounded serious, but I was too weary to care. Okay. I know. Like, it starts at the end, which I find is interesting. I know. It starts, like, jumps right in. Mm-hmm. The doctor dutifully put the young cub in my arms. I smiled, scratching my newborn's furry ears. Oh, <laughs> this is the kind of baby I want to be like, coochie, Sweet baby. <laughs> my, my sweet baby. <laughs> I don't want to know what brought us to the point of being impregnated with a well, bear. No, but... we don't need, I don't think we all, I don't, I don't think any of us need to know. My husband smiled proudly as the young cub rustled out of my arms to explore his surroundings. He waddled around the hospital room wearing a little diaper. Oh, <laughs> it's so, so he's cute. the cutest little bear diaper ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> I bet he will be a prize fighter someday, my husband announced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What should we name him, dear? Let's name him Wally, I said decisively. Such a such an odd name, well, Wally. Wally. Is this the like ba- the night? Is this nineteen nineteen where we're doing like bear <laughs> boxing at the circus? I know. Look, like, <laughs> put up your dukes, <laughs> <laughs> Wally. Okay, good choice. Okay. I was dismissed from the hospital later that day. The nurses congratulated me on giving birth <laughs> to a healthy cub. Well, I hope they give you some instruction manual as well. I would hope so. It's hard enough raising a human baby, but I wouldn't know where to begin with a bear. Well, before walking out the door, a nurse winked at me and slipped <laughs> slipped a pamphlet about oh, n- about nursing a newborn cub into my pocket. 
<laughs> See, well, thinking thank like a mom. You. Thinking like a mom, Mindy. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Thanks for that. <laughs> In I don't my, think Dr. Spock wrote a book on raising bears. Mm-mm, I don't even know mm-hmm. where you get cub diapers. But anyway, <laughs> I don't. I've never seen. Is them. there a hole for the tail? <laughs> That'd be the cutest thing ever. In the dream, my husband and I walked home. Walked home. Wow, she's. Ooh, after giving yeah, that after a bear birth. After a bear birth, my husband and I walked recovery. home with Wally, walking clumsily between us. <laughs> I love that he can walk already, you know, right. but he's still like a little toddler. Sure. We kept a firm grip on his chubby paws. <laughs> so is he like walking erect? Like yes, he's like walking. What do they call it when you walk? Uh, Bipedal. Bipedal. Yes, bipedal. <laughs> a bipedal walking bear. Sounds dirty. <laughs> Sexy. I recall my husband saying we needed to buy one of those buddy bracelets so our little guy wouldn't get kidnapped or lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. <laughs> I don't know at what point you decide that um, maybe he needs to move out. Like, normally it's 18. Yeah, how old do you think a bear college? needs to be before they can um, take care of themselves? I'm guessing, like, maybe nine months. In the real in <laughs> the real world. <laughs> no clue. We try to lighten up with some catnaps here. Let me just tell you, Bestie, if you haven't done this yet, head over to remlations.com slash support. From there, you can see lots of links for things like sharing your dream, how to join our Facebook group, or how to order merch. So head on over there, check it out. And by the way, we need your dreams for our naughty 90s episode, which is coming up. If you have any dreams that are naughty, raunchy, sexy, we want to hear them because we're going to have a naughty's 90 episode. It's going to be very explicit. (laughs) So... Uh, since Dirty 30 went so well, and that was like, gosh, over a year oh, ago. Oh, um, my or, God. It, we're already at 90. Isn't that crazy? I can't. Dirty 30 was 60 episodes ago. That's over a year. And crazy. So, wow. yes. Tell us all your dirtiest secrets. You can submit oh. them anonymously. Let us know. Yeah, us anonymously is totally fine. desires are. Mm, I like it. <laughs> I'm okay. excited. I have a short and sweet one. This one comes from Chris, and he's from Wichita, Kansas. I dreamt Michael Jordan visited me on my birthday. So nice, I think. I thought he was going to give me a pair of shoes, but instead he gave me a lifetime supply of LSD tabs. (laughs) And then I woke up. You know what? (laughs) Short and sweet. Short and sweet, and I love it. You know what? You might do better with the LSD tabs. You could sell those. And if you have a lifetime (laughs) supply, it might be worth more than a pair of Air Jordans. Um, Excuse me. Hashtag, what is Michael Jordan dream? Oh, hello. Yes. And hashtag, why are you selling drugs, Mike? (laughs) He's not selling them. He's giving them away. (laughs) Okay. Well, technicalities there. But um, not cool. Not cool. Just say no. Just say, did you, didn't you go through the D.A.R.E. program, Mike? My I, buddy Mike? I spoke at my D.A.R.E. graduation. I had to. What? <laughs> you spoke. How well did that work out for you, by the way? Well, it worked out for about 20 years, but then things changed. After that? <laughs> things changed. Not so much. <laughs> I don't think I'd graduate anymore. <laughs> So did you have to give a speech? Oh, yeah. I gotta take a step back here. Yeah, yeah. You gave a speech? Yeah. I, I need to know details. 
<laughs> we all had to write like a paper. So, so Mine- for, let me let's take a step back here for our bestie who might be a oh yes, I'd say millennial Gen Z. Yeah, there was a program <laughs> initiated by First Lady Nancy Reagan yeah. to teach children the dangers of drugs. Yes. Now looking back, you know, so it was like you know this is what drugs can do to you. Say no if your friends pressure you. No, thank you. Don't want to smoke marijuana or do crank. Um, <laughs> Wait, what if but, you want to do one or the other? Well, that's fine. <laughs> well, that's Just don't fun. mix. Just don't, don't mix, mix your rum and tequila. Don't mix your crank and your, your weed. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I think the downside, though, is my young Catholic school brain had no idea what drugs was until Mm-mm. they told us what drugs were. Like, I had no clue. It was not in my realm of of, of anything I knew. Like, what's that? Mm. No. That sounds kind of good. No. Right, let's I remember. go back to your... Oh, uh, okay. Let's, let's, <laughs> dare, go, let's go back to your graduation. Your, your dare... Gra- which stood for... Oh, God. Um, let's see if we can remember. D-A-R-E. Dare. Yeah, dare. Drug... I'm guessing the first way awareness <laughs> something education. Okay, let's check it out. <laughs> this is the this is the graduation ceremony I spoke at, and I can't even remember what the damn acronym means. <laughs> Drug abuse resistance education. Okay, I got a couple right. Okay, I sure. got half. You did. You did. Well, good job. Thanks. So tell me about your speech. And your, so, were you like the A student and you're like, no, she's no. most likely not to do drugs. Let's have her talk. <laughs> we want to see what adventure her life goes on. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you get invited back every year? <laughs> I do. There's alumni. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so we all had to write like a paper. This is how I'm remembering it. Okay. We okay. all had to write a paper probably on why I will never do drugs or why you should never do, you know, whatever malarkey they wanted you to write about. I guess it's not malarkey, but (laughs) I guess they chose mine. I'm finding this very interesting. Maybe they thought it was... Because you're a very good linguist. I'm a very cunning linguist. (laughs) And I think probably at the time, my heart was so genuinely pure and since. And innocent and sincere that I probably, like, did write something pretty heartfelt, sure. like, I'll never, uh, whatever. But I had then I had to read my paper at the graduation. Oh. And let me just say, I'm going to text your mom this week and see if she has a copy of it, because I would she, love to share that. She might. She might. She's um, the one that might. Dio, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> I'm going to text her real quick. I, if we do, I'm going to say that that should be uh, uh, added onto a live show. <laughs> Our live virtual show. Yes. Okay. Well, but and, and Michael Jordan, Mr. Hashtag Michael Jordan, let us know what you dream about. Is it selling LSD to... Kids on their birthday? Lifetime supply, though, Mindy. That's too much. That's too kind. <laughs> that's, that's too much. I mean, he's got the money for it, but that's just too much. That's too much LSD. Okay. Well, keeping the good times rolling here, I've got another short and sweet one. This is Leslie from Austin. Okay. Goblins were rooting through my trash can. <laughs> can't even say it with a straight Goblins were rooting through my trash cans and I tried to shoo them off, but they just kept digging. I hadn't thrown anything away that was unusual. 
and I've never seen goblins in my neighborhood before. <laughs> and then I woke up. <laughs> It's like, what are they looking for? Like, I know, I like, I've never seen, I've never seen goblins in this neighborhood before. Like, it's like two neighborhoods over. I know they have a goblin problem, but in this neighborhood, I've never seen. Can we call Orkin? (laughs) Is that how you take care of goblins? Um, that if you're like a Harry Potter fan, you know, goblins rung Gringotts Bank. So I'll just put some gold coins somewhere else, and let's see if they'd go find them. Like, stay away from my garbage. Put it in your neighbor's garbage, some gold coins. Exactly. Okay. Yep, yep. That's smart. Okay. Well, thanks, Leslie. <laughs> this one comes from Mike, and he's from Northbrook, Illinois. Ooh. He titles it, Jim Racist Tattoo? Question mark. <laughs> Jim, like G-Y-M or J-I-M? Yes, like Jim like, working out Jim. Like physical like, education? Yeah, physical Jim. <laughs> okay. The dream starts, and I am going to the gym with Shaquille O'Neal. Wow, we've got like a basketball theme going on here. Um, what's going on? And I know we've already hashtag Shaq. So Shaq, we're still waiting for you to get back um, to us. So Mike, TikTok, Shaq, let's TikTok. talk. Let's go. <laughs> Work it out, boys. Who's coming Boy, first? You know what? Mm. For as much as Shaq does, like since he promotes every product on the planet, I feel like you'd think he would reply to us. Right? Let's work on that. Okay, let's work. Shaq. We'll push a little bit more towards Shaq. Okay, so she's going to the gym with Shaq. I tell him I used to be able to bench press 245, but it's been a while, so it might be a little lower than that. We get there, but go our separate ways. Wait, you went to you went to the gym together, but then just like, all right, see I guess you later. They had separate workouts to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. While working out, I noticed some people getting tattooed. This is like this is the only way to get me at a gym. <laughs> <laughs> I've never tattooed anyone before but i've offered to help <laughs> this sounds like a bad idea for so many reasons i tattoo a random lady <laughs> i forget exactly what my tattoo art was but oh, it wasn't no. great <laughs> i appreciate the honesty <laughs> it wasn't great but it also didn't end up like one of those tattoo fails you sometimes see either. Okay. It was mediocre. It was, like <laughs> it was a, average. Like a circle. Like, like a, what? Like a misshapen circle. Gun hold, <laughs> held to your head. You yeah. have to tattoo someone permanently. What are you drawing? A line. Just so, something. I don't want to mess it up. Just be like, boop, you're done. Cool. Yes. If I start thinking about this. We're going to be opening a can of worms that I'm not ready to go through Okay, yet. so. Because okay, I am. Question. Yeah. What would you tattoo on me? Just a line? No. I would do a Virgo symbol on you. If I, Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because I don't have any tattoos. And yes. I would appreciate that. Yeah, I think well, you can pull it off. Well. But going back to Mike. Also, Mike. Okay. Mike says his tattoo art wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't one of those that were a fail, so that's good. Then I get a tattoo myself. Something oh. with a lot of flowers. Ooh. I choose multiple colors for the flowers. Yellow, purple, green. For some reason, each of those colors are associated with someone in the room. All white guys. When the tattoo artist asked what color I wanted for the last flower, I made a comment somewhere along the lines of, I want it to be like him. 
And I point to a black guy. He called me racist. Oh, no. You're like, I like you. I just, I came here with Shaq. I just want a tattoo of a black flower. That's that being racist. I don't think. You're like, I think your skin color is gorgeous. I want it on my body forever. Right? I'd be like, fuck, yeah, that's awesome. After the tattoo was done, I was told that because I screwed up the first woman's tattoo. Wait, who, who, a, gave, who, who gave this tattoo? It's another random oh. gym rat. <laughs> gym rat? Welcome to gym rat tattoo. What would you like on your bicep? That's the tagline. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like, no, gym rat tattoo. I mean, I can see it in like font above. It, it's like you get a membership. You get. Work out equipment. You yep. can work out anytime you want. Oh, 24-7. Four live classes a month and one <laughs> tattoo a year. Oh, okay. Gym how rat much does tattoo. that cost? Gym rat tattoo. <laughs> I like how you ended with the name again. It costs uh, $150 a month. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Wow. But if Shaq's working out there, I mean, it's, it's high end. It it's is. high end. Yeah. It is. Okay. So anyways, getting back, Mike says now that his tattoo was done, he was told that he screwed up the first woman's tattoo. He did. So he needed to get a crappy tattoo on himself. Oh, no. It's not his fault. He didn't right know what he was volunteered, doing. But don't volunteer. Yeah, don't volunteer again. He says, I never ended up making a decision of what I would get for my second tattoo. But I do remember considering where I should get it. Ooh, sexy. And then he woke up. <laughs> Mike, I want to know where that second tattoo is. Where's the hidden? It's crappy. I'd hide it. In yeah. Thigh. I don't know where I go. But. Butt crack? <laughs> Not crack. <laughs> Well, if you want it hidden, you, mean you, you want your tattoo hidden. Do you know how hard that would be to heal, Mindy? You, I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot. Of, there's some upkeep when you're trying to heal from a new tattoo. I think Good that would be very problematic. Where would you hide a tattoo then? If you had, uh, if you knew you were getting a crappy tattoo, where would it be? I. This is so stupid because. I would, I would, I guess inner thigh would probably be a good one, but like, it's a crappy tattoo. Like, I know there's so many places you can hide line? Because there's only like one or a few, maybe one or two people that would ever see that. Or Right. Yeah, (laughs) bikini line because, no, because you can always, it can always be covered. You could Uh, grow grow it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I meant. I meant underwear. (laughs) That's what you meant. (laughs) <laughs> or yeah you can cover it up in the jungle whatever you, you want to go do. <laughs> go 70s on it go 70s get that thing flying proud <laughs> all right well do you have another one for us <laughs> I, I do. this is more disturbing than i thought it was going to be that last stream <laughs> yeah i wasn't really sure where that was going well to end off our catnaps let's end it with a bang so to speak This is Grover from Charlotte. Speaking of a bang, right? Promised you. I Mm -hmm. farted in class one day, and it was so loud. But no one mentioned it or even seemed to notice. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, (laughs) my question is the stank. Yeah, the stank I'm wondering about, too. 
this was high school. So I knew it was oh. impossible that someone wasn't laughing <laughs> or making fun of me. Within of one minute, everyone in the classroom started melting. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I had toxic gas, to say the least. Toxic gas. And then I woke up. <laughs> oh. Ouch. Grover, I don't want to be in any classes with you in case you get a little gassy. Isn't that everyone's like worst nightmare oh, is yeah. that someone smells or hears your um, fatulence? Yes. Flatulence. So, like, I can understand how <sighs> you would perceive it as melting because it is that awful. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like it was really melting. Yikes. That's Yikes. not good. What did you eat, Grover? Put away the beans, Grover. <laughs> you don't need that much fiber. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Enough's enough. <laughs> Just one less helping. Okay. One, one less. <laughs> well, thank you, Grover, so much. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Oh, Grover. Hey, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a little stinkiness in my throat, though. I feel, I, it's like I could almost taste it in my mouth, Grover, and I don't appreciate Yeah, I don't appreciate much. it either. It's like, mm. no. but good, mm-hmm. good um, description, I guess, to make us both have reactions. So thank thanks. you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> That's all I can say. Thanks. 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 <laughs> Well, that was a lot of great catnaps. Thank you for everyone who submitted. Oh, yes. Some good funny ones to kind of lighten the mood we had from to, earlier. We had to balance it out we a little did. bit. We did. We did. It was a nice job. A very interesting topic to share with you today. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. You look so serious. I am a little bit serious. I oh, am. Gosh. Because if you think about the history of dreams okay. and important people who have shaped the ideology of dreams throughout the ages there are two names that come up like sigmund freud would be who i would come up with right away yes and i've been putting this off for a while but today we are talking about sigmund freud (laughs) because i knew it was a big deep i mean there's so much information so i there's this is like the ultimate rabbit hole this is like writing an essay in college and psychology. Oh my god! This is my my end of the semester psychology report. Is and this I hope your, you're ready. Is this your dare graduation speech? I'd rather do this than that. But I, I I'm fascinated. I, I'm I'm fascinated. All right, so let's get into Sigmund Freud. He is the father of psych- <laughs> psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. So when you get to dreams and psychologists, there's two major players in this. One mm-hmm. is Sigmund Freud. The other is Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. Now, to, I want to get into both. Mm-hmm. Carl, Carl Jung, I'm getting into in an, an upcoming episode, but okay. today we're focusing on Sigmund Freud and his history. Oh, boy. And I also want to get into their feud because they were friends, if you did not know, mm-hmm. and later became enemies. So that's going to be like a part three. But ah, let's start with part one. Let's get going. Sigmund Freud is known as the father of psychoanalysis. He was born. Do you want to? Do you have any idea when he was born? Um, let's say he was born in 1893. Not bad. 1856. <laughs> Forty years off. 
Yeah. Well, so he's so he's old. I mean, he's dead, but he's he was old, like old timey. I didn't realize um, he was that old. I thought he was yeah. the more prominent figure in the 20th century. But he did. He lived a long time. Yeah. Actually. Um, he was born May 6th, which makes him a Taurus. <gasps> One of the only signs that gets along with Virgos, Mindy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was born in Moravia in the Austrian Empire, which the Austrian Empire is no longer. It's now like the Czech Republic. So let's talk about his family life growing up. Because if you think about Freud, a lot of people talk about the whole sexual things, parents. We're going to get yep. into all of that. But let's go back to when he was born. He was born to Ashkenazi Jewish parents. His father was Jacob. Okay. He was a wool merchant. Oh. Yeah, just going to sell that wool. You sell that boy. wool. I sell bet they wool. were always warm. <laughs> His first wife, so Jacob's first wife, was Sally, and she had two sons named Emmanuel and Philip. Okay. He then divorced, re- well, divorced. I don't know how it really works in the 18, like, yeah, 1800s, I don't know. mid-1800s. They were no, no longer together. <laughs> they were no longer together. He then married Rebecca, and then in 1955, he married Sigmund's mother, who was Amelia. Now, Amelia was 20 years younger than the father, Jacob. That so this is tracks. his third wife. Yeah, it was that time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still that time. So before Sigmund was born, his parents struggled financially. When Sigmund was born in 1856, he was born with a cowl. Do you know what this is? A cowl? Yeah, what? C-A-U-L, cowl. Oh, no. It's a piece of membrane that covers a newborn's head. Oh, that soft spot? That like... No, it's like a a membrane. Oh. It's pretty rare. It happens in about 1 in 80,000 births. It's harmless. Wow. Maybe that's why he's so smart. Well... It was immediately moved by the midwives, but his mom saw it as a good omen that her son would do great things. I like this. She's a positive person, and one in 80,000, baby, you got to have a good kid there. (laughs) Right? Now, here's the crazy thing. His brother, the older ones, Emmanuel and Philip, they were 20 and 23 when Jacob married his third wife. So their stepmom was only a couple years older than his oldest children. That's so weird. Yeah. So... Sigmund's half-brothers were 20 and 23 years his elders. Okay. Sigmund was an uncle before he was even born. <laughs> Which is not crazy because my dad was an uncle before his he was born. Yeah, no, it happens. It happens. Happens with, you know, large gaps in children's large ages. Large families. Yes, and big yeah. families. So his nephew, who was older than him, was his good friend. Like, they grew up together the first three years of life. Very close. Now, the family struggled financially a little bit and lived in a rented room of a locksmith. They're trying to, you know, life was hard in the in 1856. Even Very for hard. a wool merchant? It was. I feel like everyone could not. use wool. You'd think, right? Yeah. But you know, it's politics like those days. King. Mm, hard. No good. So when Sigmund was three years old, his family left their town of Freiburg and moved to Germany and later to Vienna, Austria. So he was five. He's been around. Yeah, you know, worldly kid, five years old, moving to Vienna. His parents end up having seven more kids. What? Yay to the time before birth control. Ah. Have lots of kids and keep them coming. And have them work for you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
In the Woolery. Is that what it is? In the Woolery. Sure. In the Woolery. Fred was a smart kid. He was an outstanding pupil. He graduated with honors. Guess how many languages he could speak. Oh, boy. One, two, five. Oh, my God. He could speak German, French, Italian, Spanish, English, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. Jesus Christ. I didn't know any of that. That's incredible. Go ahead, Sigmund. Siggy. Go. Go, Siggy. (laughs) Siggy. We're calling him Siggy from now on. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Smart kid. He entered university at the age of 17. He enrolled in the medical school, and he studied philosophy, physiology, and zoology. Wow. In his junior year, so it was like when he was about 20, he worked four weeks dissecting eels Uh. for a study in search of male eel reproductive organs. Oh, well, actually. I don't know how much you know about eel reproductive organs, but I, I, I guess they were hard to find. Maybe maybe they get nervous and they go back up inside. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they're asexual. We don't maybe. know how male. Maybe we know. Maybe Freud figured it out. <laughs> At 21, he worked in a lab comparing brains of humans to other vertebrae mammals. That would be interesting. I don't know if I want to do the eel one. No, I don't <laughs> want to dig in and eel. Root male. around, root around no. and eel junk. <laughs> Eels are gross. No, eel junk. <laughs> When he was 23, he had to take a break from school to serve in the mandatory military service. Mm-hmm. But he did graduate with a MD in 1881. Okay. So in 1882, he's 26 years old. He began working at the Vienna General Hospital. Okay. Not, not the General Hospital soap opera. Mm, no, the Vienna one. <laughs> the Vienna General Hospital. Less drama. I hope. There he started working on his studies and writing journals. Oh, he also became very interested in the effects of cocaine. Oh, me too. No, I'm just kidding. He was, <laughs> he was a big fan, actually. Of oh, cocaine. wait, he did it? So instead of having like actual subjects experience cocaine, he's like, I'll just try it myself. I thought you Let's were totally. Give it a go. I thought you were totally joking. Like he just no. did like experiments with people, but no, he's all like. Mm. Gotta, yes, gotta I know everything. I know everything in the world, and I gotta write it down right now because I'll forget oh, yeah, it. In really the- <laughs> but the sad part is, one of his colleagues and one of his close friends actually died of a cocaine overdose. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Shortly thereafter, mm-hmm. and since that point, he didn't like really promote it. He decided like eh, maybe cocaine is not the best, even though he still used it in like medicinal reasons. This is late 1800s. He's like, it helps migraines. It helps hysteria. It was a drug that was used for just about everything. But it was sad that his best friend had OD'd. He stopped advocating kind of the use of it. Yeah. At the same time, he was also working in a field called aphasia, which was Mm -hmm. the idea that head trauma Mm -hmm. would affect possibly... The ability for language. So things like comprehending language or ability to speak. So way ahead of his time because aphasia is something that's still studied now. I mean, sports and kids, it's still something that is still... Even professional sports. 
Yeah. Yes, being like taken seriously. But mm-hmm. dude, this is 1882. This guy's yeah. like ahead of the deal. game. Yes. Ahead of the game. Good job, Siggy. It was about the same time as he's finishing up his schooling that he started dating a woman named Martha Bernays. They were dating for about four years. So her family was Orthodox Jew. Okay. Well respected. And both their families kind of knew each other. They were okay. well acquainted. So he started dating, you know, family friend. It turned out well. I guess. <laughs> they eventually got married, by the way. Spoiler alert. Mm. But let's talk about 1885. So he's about 29 years old. He decides to travel to Paris on a three-month fellowship under a renowned neurologist called Jean-Martin Charente. Ooh, I like the way you said that. This Jean-Martin was very big into hypnosis Mm. and having patients go into their symptoms while under hypnosis. So he Mm -hmm. kind of did his whole fellowship understanding the possibility of now what we call therapy and hypnosis. He gets back from Paris. He marries the love of his life, Martha. Yay, Martha. And they have six kids. They just pumped him out, huh? Time before birth control. It's go- you have sex, it's going to happen. So by the time he was 30, he quit the hospital he was working at and decided to open his own private practice mm. specializing in nervous disorders. Ooh, does that <laughs> involve going laying on a couch and taking a bunch of Coke and you're like, woo, I feel great. I'm cured. I was nervous, but I now was, I ain't. Now I feel like I can run all my errands and clean my house. <laughs> Over the next... 11 years of his practice had studied hysteria. And this is one of those things you heard in old timey yes. news articles and crime. She had hysteria. She had hysteria. And it, <laughs> back then, it was like what they called fits of rage, anxiety, and mental instability. So, fuck, I'm hysteric. There was a big umbrella under this hysteria, covered it's a hysteria. lot of things, <laughs> covered a lot of things. Yep. So his practice was all about treating patients with hysteria. He did a lot of journals and scientific studies where he came up with some multiple theories. I'm not going to talk about them because these can be multiple episodes in their own. Yes. But something like the seduction theory, which is believing that hysteria and neurosis was expressed as a memory of early childhood sexual abuse. The Oedipus Complex, which was described as a man in young life wanting to sexualize his desires to his mother. Mm. We're not going to get into that today because I want to concentrate more on the dream part of it. Yes, please. A lot of ideas. A lot of ideas. (laughs) A lot of ideas. But let's talk about what brought us to the dream part of Freud's psychoanalysis. In 1896 was the death of his father. Oh, boy. He... Reported being depressed, having disturbing nightmares or dreams. And he started analyzing his own dreams of hostility towards his father. Mm. There's a lot of things he did contribute to modern day therapy. While he was doing those 11 years in his clinic, something clicked with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Along with his disturbing dreams of his father's death, he reflected back on the idea of hypnosis. I love it. But he felt that hypnosis was more the idea of patients were repeating what the doctor had suggested to them under the influence of hypnosis or a hypnotic state. Instead, 
Freud decided that he wanted to take a different approach okay. to it in his clinic. It's the idea that patients can speak freely rather than repeating ideas of the therapist. I love this. I would call therapist, right? Because back then, I don't know if they were called therapists, but to make it simple. So he's taking an opposite approach, what he called the talking cure. Mm. Now, if we fast forward today, therapy is all about talking about your own feelings. Talky, talky, talky. Siggy called this free association. Oh, yeah, free association. Okay. The expression by speaking or writing of the content of the consciousness without censorship as an aid of gaining access to unconscious processes. I love it. Processes. Processes. Now, Siggy found that his patients' (laughs) dreams. We have to call him Siggy. We have to call him Siggy. Now, Siggy found that his patients' dreams could be fruitfully analyzed to reveal the complex structures of the unconscious which he later then termed many years later as psychoanalysis. So let's talk about the year of 1899. Oh. Siggy is now 43 years old. Old. He's an old man by now. <laughs> He's like our age. I know. That's oh why I God, said it. I it old. I know, but that was the joke. Like we yes. we're not, neither one of us is yet, but I we don't will feel be old. soon. A few months. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to be 43 in a few months too. <laughs> one week after Mindy. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Ten days. Ten days. Ten days Um, after Mindy. (laughs) So he's our age, and he decides to write a book called The Interpretation of Dreams. Whoa, this is so weird. This is happening. His most popular, not at the time, but eventually his most popular works. At the same age we are when we're exploring dreams. (gasps) Crazy, huh? Mind blown. The first publication of this book was a big failure. Huge, ah! huge. Boom. Bye. See you later. It only sold 531 copies in Ooh. the first six years. Ouch. Not, not great. Not I think super. this podcast is doing better, but we have I a better so. medium, perhaps. And cuter faces. That's true. I mean, Siggy's cute. but Although it's a podcast, so you can't see our faces. <laughs> <laughs> so in this book, he gives detailed interpretations of his own dreams and his patients' dreams in terms of wish fulfillments. So it's giving the representation of desires through what he calls dream work. So what's dream work? It's a production company. Um. (laughs) Dream works. (laughs) That is interesting. I wonder if they ever based on this type, this. Hmm. Hmm. Look at interesting. Uh, we're open. Like like I said, we can't talk because then we just open so many more doors, doors. that we can't. According to Freud, what is dream work? It's the process by which the unconscious mind alters the true meaning of a dream into something less disturbing is known as dream work. We have experienced that many times, at least what we, we what we think is dream work. I just didn't know the terminology. Yes. So let's get into his theories of dreams a little bit. Now, what made his theories on dreams so important at the time were a few things. He thought that dreams are instigated by daily occurrences and thoughts of everyday life. Oh, okay. So before this, it was thought that dreams were nonsensical. They meant nothing. And he brought into the idea that they're from past experiences. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on. From what we've read, what we've experienced ourselves, dreams can be crazy. So (laughs) I can understand why people would think that. 
and to be brave enough to be the first person to be like, hey, right. it's not just crazy things happening. Like, it means something. Right. Everyone at the time regarded dreams as being meaningless. Yeah. And Freud believed that dreams do have meanings. So for Freud, every dream is meaningful, no matter how nonsensical the dreams may seem and how little we remember of it. Mm-hmm. For Freud, there's no dream dictionary where you can look something up and say, if you dream of X, it means Y. For Freud, all dream elements are symbolic, but they have private meanings and only can be discovered through the dreamer's associations. Wow, Mindy, we're so smart. We say this stuff every week. (laughs) Right? And as far as the method of interpreting dreams go, so instead of telling patients what he thought of their dreams... He invited them to say whatever came to their mind in relationship to their own elements and understanding of the dream. Okay, so smart. We, coming back to that free association, it was not that he was giving them, like, you dreamed of a tree and a tree means this. He was more of the mindset that each dreamer can and should interpret their own dreams based on their experience. I love that because that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, I'm sure right. there's a lot of black and white things. This means this, that means that, but... It always depends on the person who's having the dream. Now, as a cute side note to this story, as he's analyzing dreams of his patients, he had a dog who was a chow chow. A chow chow. He was called Joffy. Joffy. And he often assisted Freud in his psychotherapy sessions. Oh, and I he love said Joffy. that Freud remarked that dogs had a calming effect on his clients and they were likely to talk more freely and open when Joffe appeared at the sessions. Which I love. Love that side note. I love that side note too, but you know, it is it is like pet therapy is a real thing now. Mm-hmm. Like again, right. ahead of his time, like that ahead is a le- legit form of therapy. Siggy's getting it. He, Siggy, Siggy likes the dogs. Siggy likes chow chows. <laughs> So later in his work, he explored the possibility of universal symbols in dreams, although originally he never thought like it was universal. I think he explored this later, which is a lot of what popular culture focuses on, that some of these symbols were sexual. Mm -hmm. Things like poles, guns, and swords representing the penis. And there were also female symbols in dreams that included um, Doors, tunnels, windows, and other types of openings. Mm, what? Okay. Mm, okay. And that horse riding and dancing could represent sexual intercourse. So there was a part of his career, and it's not saying his whole career, but there's part of his career where he's like, well, maybe there are symbols and dreams that are universal. Right. Okay. So after writing his book three years later, he was finally granted the title of Professor Extraordinarius. What? Yeah, it was his lifetime goal. It had no salary attached to it. It had no teaching duties. It was just a title. Okay, well. But he was very proud of this title. Good. I'm glad it made him happy. (laughs) Even though he wasn't required to teach, he conducted Saturday evening classes and lectures, continued writing, and he would have like these little meetups every Wednesday night of people from Venice, physicians that would come over to his apartment on Wednesday afternoons and talk about psychology. Mm, sounds like a fun Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday in his apartment. It actually became so popular, there were 16 members of his little club. 
Wow. It's a little like afternoon tea club. I love that. Siggy's getting it on. He is. He's got buddies. He, he's tearing up this world. <laughs> and he's finally becoming very popular yeah. in his circle of friends. This is the time he started corresponding with Carl Jung, which oh. we'll talk about in an upcoming episode okay. and why they were friends and not friends. Frenemies. Carl Jung created his own small psychoanalysis group in Zurich. He was kind of like a, an understudy of Freud's. So Siggy's Wednesday groups became very popular, and he eventually renamed them to the Vienna Psychoanalysis Society. Fancy. Yeah. In 1908, now at this point, he's 57 years old, he started a conference. And so this is deemed the first psychoanalytic congress, which had like 42 attendees. So his Mm -hmm. gathering, like people are starting to believe, like he knows what he's talking about. He's done a lot of research. And finally, in 1910, let's talk about turn of the century here, women were allowed to join his conference. Wow. So women such as Marguerite Hilferding, Tatiana <laughs> Rosenthal, and Sabrina Spielring, who we will talk about when we talk about Carl Jung and their feud. She was a okay. Russian psychiatrist. Oh, okay. After his first book about dreams did not go well, he released a second edition. It's a lot better. A second edition, like a reprint or a second A reprint. Like a second edition. He did a new forward. He explained things a little bit better in his second edition of his book about dreams. You know, now he's got this popular following. He's like, I got to step it up a notch. Let's try this again. (laughs) Yes. In 1923, he's 67 years old. This is the time he had suspected he had cancer of the mouth. This dude... If you see any pictures of him, is constantly smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. He started in his 20s. It was speculated that he had like nearly 20 cigars a day. Cigars? That's how yeah. many are in a pack of cigarettes. That's a lot of a lot of cancer. That's a lot of mouth. cancer in your mouth. <laughs> wow. 20 cigars. He said he thought that smoking brought him a lot of clarity in his mm. works. It was his vice. Okay. Um, he never stopped smoking his whole life, even after being diagnosed with cancer of his mouth. Well, I mean, diagnosed. I mean, this is the turn of the century. Well, like Throw some cocaine in his mouth. He's fine. <laughs> Just throw, throw a handful of cocaine in the mouth and you're yeah. A-OK. According to Freud, he believed uh, the habit enhanced his productivity and creativity. I don't know so much, but it did give him cancer. They did remove a large part of his jaw and had 33 additional surgeries over the next 16 years in his mouth. That's a terrible way to end your life. I mean, like he's 60, uh, not end, but like 67 is not a spring chicken. It's not super old, but like to have... A major surgery, and then how many did you say? 13 more? 33. 33 more? At one point, he almost died on the operating table from too much blood loss. He even had like a prosthetic thing put put between his mouth and his esophagus to help, like, because it was all like, it was all nasty and... Yeah, Draw, like gross and removed for cancer reasons. Oh, I can't imagine. Like, 
I've seen Roger Ebert. He had that and had to have like half of his jaw removed. And it looks so unfortunately freaky. And I apologize for that word. But could you imagine how rudimentary it would have been then as opposed to like, when was it? The 90s, turn of the century, something like that. But like that procedure back then. Oh, that procedures. Oh, my God. Yes, 33. Oh, that makes my stomach hurt. When he was 77 years old. We're talking about Europe in the 1933. The Nazi party took control of Germany. Not great. Freud's books were prominently burned and destroyed. He underestimated the Nazi regime and he tried to stay in Vienna. The then president of the International Psychoanalysis Association, Jones, tried to change his mind. Like, hey, dude, you're Jewish. You can't stay here. Maybe, Siggy, we should should leave. Let's get out. This is a whole bigger story. This could be a whole movie in itself. But just to put a couple quick things in here, he pulled some favors from the Princess Marie Bonaparte and was able to get an exit visa, so to say, out of Mm -hmm. the country. His daughter, Anna, was detained by the Gestapo. Shit. But he was able to flee Austria and fled to Paris with his wife and his daughter. Okay. From Paris, he moved to London. The princess Bonaparte tried, but unfortunately failed to obtain exit visas for four of Sigmund's sisters. And they were Mm. captured and did die in concentration camps. Oh, no. Awful. Awful, awful. God. When he was 83 years old, September of 1939, he's lived with cancer now for like 10 years. Cancer of his jaw had turned so painful, he turned to his friend and doctor, Max Shore, and he quoted, You remember our contract not to leave me in the lurch when the time had come. Now it's nothing but torture and makes no sense. So looking back on history, it seems like a medical-assisted uh, it sure does. End of life. Yeah. Um, his daughter wanted to postpone it, but the doctor convinced his daughter that it was pointless to keep him alive. And he was hopped up on so much morphine at this time of his life, and he had asked to be put out of his misery. Oh, my God. Now, it was not really determined who had ended his life, whether it was one of his daughter's doctor friends who gave the fatal dose of morphine or it was his friend, Max Shore, but he did get a fatal third dose of morphine one day and did pass. Yeah. Ah, that breaks my heart to have someone in so much pain. So much pain. I mean, and to be so probably incoherent, you know, hopped up on morphine and like, oh, yeah. you're used to being so sharp and have your brain like thinking these amazing things and then add the pain and suffering. I, oh, oh, yeah. But his legacy lives on. His ashes were cremated and they're on display at the Ernest George Crematorium, where later his wife Martha was added to his urn. Oh, Martha died when she was 90. I mean, they both lived a very long, long lives. Long life. Especially back then. Back then, yeah. His daughter, Anna, went on to be a popular child psychologist and actually created a museum for her father, which is in London. You can go to. 
I did do like a rabbit hole of this. Uh, I knew this you whole would. museum, I and I want to go would. visit if I ever we ever go visit any of our UK besties. She released a lot of his letters and personal works and That's created so this museum cool. as a tribute to her father. That's really nice. And she just died in 1982, so she was not that long not departed. That long, yeah. And as I wrap this up, let me just say two things. Talk therapy, what his idea of it's not just your doctor telling you what's wrong with you, it's you talking through your problems. Talk therapy is still very important today. He was one of the first psychoanalysts to recognize the importance of people diving into their own ideas and traumas to get through Mm -hmm. things. But also, let's talk about Pride Month because it's the end of Pride Month. It is. Oh, my God. It's almost over. Freud did say that homosexuality cannot be changed or eliminated. (gasps) One famous incidence of his progressive views on homosexuality was in a 1935 letter. Sorry, 1935. Freud already had it figured out that it's not a choice. Already had it figured out. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. He wrote a 1935 letter to a mother who had asked him to treat her son's homosexuality. In the letter, he asserted that homosexuality was not something to be ashamed of, but it was merely a variation of sexual function. Freud also cited many great historical figures who were homosexual, such as Michelangelo and Plato. Furthermore, he stated that persecuting homosexuality was a crime and cruel. Wow. 1935, this dude's like on the forefront of the... What's being attacked today? He's not on the forefront. He's on the four, 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 four. Incredible, front. right? Incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Way to go, Siggy. Siggy's an ally. Love it. Siggy. 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 Just to leave, I'm just going to leave you on one more quote from him from his okay. book of the interpretation of dreams. He says, quote, the virtuous man contains himself with dreaming that which a wicked man does not in actual life. I love that. We should get matching tattoos of that. We could ask our friend, Mike. Mikey Mike. Can you go those tattoos? We just want a line. But then it also also has to say that whole quote Mindy just said. (laughs) This is an incredibly long topic and I'm so sorry, but I just, I don't know what to cut out because there's so much to talk about. So we had our Freud episode We're going to have our Carl Jung episode. We're going to have an episode that talks about the feud and how they fell into disgrace of each other. Yeah, so this is part one of this series. I love it. I love it. That was great. Thank you so much. So interesting. Thank you so much, Mindy. You're welcome. How was your week? How is, uh, what's new? What's life? Did you get any sleep? Because I know last week you were dealing with a little bit of insomnia. Any better this week? Darling. So much better. Good. Still struggling, but getting a couple hours, which is normal for some people. But that four-day stretch was just torture. So, yes, I am sleeping not 100% there. But, yeah, oh, my God. Much better. Good. Much better. How are you? Good. Uh, So this is a a funny story I meant to bring up last week. Mm. But last time I was in town, I had all my kids there. I mentioned I went back to Iowa for my niece's graduation party. 
my kids, I gave them like the tour. Like, this is the house I grew up in the first five years of my life. This is the house I grew up in throughout my high school and grade school. And we're doing this whole tour of town. So after going by my like young childhood house, my my main childhood house, my high school, my middle school, my grade school, the youngest twin goes, and what about that haunted mansion? (gasps) The Red Stone? So I'm like, okay, yeah, we can we can go by the Redstone, which is throwback to one of our first couple episodes we talk yes. about. Yes. Bestie, if you don't know, Brooke and I, we had met and we were friends, and then we became co-workers yes. and friends as we worked at this haunted Victorian mansion. Yes. So my kids asked <laughs> if they could come see the Redstone. I'm like, I think so. So we parked down on Fifth Street. Yes. It looks a little like disheveled, but we're, it looks, from what I brought up on online, I could see like it's still an operating inn. So I, we walk up to the front door, we walk in. There's no one at like the front desk. We just <laughs> stand in the, we stand in the lobby and we wait and we wait. And I look in the, we walk into the, to the left and there's like a parlor. We walk to the right, which is like the kitchen area where we worked. And we're just waiting and, and I notice a couple of like, cameras like um like there uh, were no cameras, cameras when we were there <laughs> so we wait and we wait and we wait and like no one comes out and i'm like oh okay well that's cool let's leave when all of a sudden i see these these man legs come down the stairs and like just like athletic shorts and he's like can i help you and i'm like um just looking around or do you work here and he's like i'm the owner or i'm the innkeeper i guess he's like the Owner slash innkeeper. Oh. His name was Robert. Okay. This is how he presents himself to guests in a fan. Well, used to be kind of Athletic fancy. shorts and flip, like uh, and slides. Can I ask you how long you were there before he came down? I would say at least a good four minutes. Like he had to put on pants. Not okay. So he's like, can I help you? I'm like, oh, yeah, we're just sorry. We're just looking around. I used to work here when i was 15 i was just gonna show my kids we're from out of town blah 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 so he comes down the stairs and he goes do you want to buy the place i go i'm sorry what he's like it's for sale would you like to buy this mansion i go i'm not no first of all i'm not second of all i don't live here not third of all not in the financial situation to buy an old victorian mansion but thank you for asking Maybe if we went uh, in together. Oh, maybe. <laughs> we could set up a podcasting studio. <laughs> Just like get like a bunch of visitors. Yeah. <laughs> so I we start talking and I tell him about how I used to work there. I'm going to show my stuff. kids around. Yeah. And I'm like, do you experience any spirits? He goes, no. I'm like, oh, that's interesting because... When I worked here, my best friend Brooke worked here. We experienced lots of things. He's like, "Well, that's because I'm a man." I'm like, "Okay." Who he's like, "Is this guy?" He's like, "It only affects women." And I'm like, "Oh, well, do tell." So my yes. kids are now fully vested in this. So am story. I, baby. So am I. <laughs> and he's like, "No, the ghost Elizabeth, the owner of this home, only presents herself to women." Because she was a woman ahead of her time. Her father didn't like her. She was quite, what well, at the time would say, a feminist. <laughs> and she was very outspoken as a woman. And I said, well, what about room 26? 
And he goes and explains how each room has different experiences and yeah. guests. Is that where we put codes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had an experience in that room. Exactly. I asked him, I'm like, do you, have you seen the tunnels? And he's like, what tunnels? I'm like, you own this fucking place and you haven't explored the tunnels? Oh, my God. What about the attic or the basement or anything? And I'm like, I explained to him. This is how he knew I actually worked there. I'm like, no, here's the laundry room. Here's the dry storage. Here's the room that looks like a prison. Here's the tunnels. And <laughs> he goes, the room that looks like oh, a there's prison. stuff in front of there. I don't, I've never looked behind it. I'm like, there's fucking tunnels. Have you ever been in the tunnels? No, because they were like they're they're blocked off. off, right? Yeah, they're that's what I thought. Off. Wow. He was like trying to convince me to buy this place. <laughs> I can't believe he was still pushing. And that. then he looks at then he looks at my kids and is like, "You don't what do you say that? Because there's very my daughters are very thin. Yeah. And he goes, "You don't look like a typical American." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Do you ever eat donuts?" I'm like, "Rude." Right? And then he hit on me on the way out. No, Robert. Like, your, mom, your mom's beautiful. I'm like, you're not wrong. Like, you're not wrong, but mom. get out of here, Robert. Find a beer. <laughs> I have some very, very, very exciting news. Please. Okay, so there is, I have a bucket list. Of course, you know, I have a bucket list. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of places and things to do on it. Um, I recently got to go to the Maldives, which was on my bucket list because I I've, I learned about the Maldives, a f you know, several years ago, but that they're sinking and I wanted to visit them mm -hmm. in my lifetime. Yes. Right. But my OG... Oh, gee, like from high school, maybe even junior high, number one on my bucket list is Bora Bora. Mm -hmm. And going? I'm going. What? When are you going? <gasps> I'm so excited for you. What? How did you bury this late? This just happened late last week, so I haven't. Oh, my goodness. When are you going? My birthday. I actually what? leave on September third, and I'm gonna be on there. your birthday. I know, and I'm so I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. I'm completely I'm so, jealous. I'm, I'm so very excited, excited too. Like because it's one of the best snorkeling spots, and my friend recently went to the Galapagos, and she totally fell in love with snorkeling, mm -hmm. which she's never done before. And as soon as she got home, she bought like the same mask and fins as me. So now I have a snorkeling buddy. Oh my god! Can't wait to hear all the details of this. I can't believe it's happening. Number uh, one. Number one. Yes. Nice. Everyone should get their number one knocked off their bucket list. I think so. Aww. It's hard sometimes. So happy for you. Bestie. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. I'm so excited. Love you too. Yay. Okay. Well, we can all live vicariously through Brooke <laughs> in September, but let's just wrap up this episode in a kind of happy, but kind of jealous way. Okay. Well, I love you. But, but I'm jealous. But I but hate, I hate you. you. But you know I love you. But you know I kind of hate you at the same time. 
Okay, besties. Well, that wraps up another episode. Hey, do us one favor, and that's tell your best friend about the podcast. Yay. Just one person, and that person can tell one more person, and that person tells another person. That's how we grow. Mm-hmm. So tell your best friend about the show. Share the show with your brother whose life you saved through a premonition dream. Mm-hmm. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Always buckle your seatbelts. You can mm-hmm. tell your fiance. Tell your favorite gym workout partner or your favorite tattoo artist about the show. That's how we grow. Just by telling one person, we'd appreciate it and love you. That's how we continue to do this podcast each and every week. So spread the word. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. I just want to thank you all again, all the catnap submissions. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing that dream. Once again, for everyone submitting catnaps, please keep them coming. All right, bestie. Whatever dreams you dream, if they're a premonition, help tell that person. It could be good. It could be bad. But let somebody know. You could save their lives. You could save their lives. Or you could marry that person. Who knows? Either way, it's good. Talk about it. Talk about about it. it. (laughs) And until next week, sweet Sweet dreams, dreams, bitches. I felt like the zigzag. Yeah, you put you put some stank on that one.